I am Max Lopez, and this is Beyond the Bindings. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Beyond the Bindings. Today, I'm going to be covering the brand new Stephen King novel later. Before I do that, I want to do a quick correction from last week's episode. Um, the gym teacher's name is pronounced Miss Disjardin. I believe it is French. Um, I am don't consider myself a scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but I knew I was pronouncing that wrong, and I didn't get a chance to look up the proper pronunciation until afterwards. Was never very good at accents as far as adding them to uh, when actually saying words from other languages. I did very poorly in German class when I was in high school. In fact, I remember very vividly my German teacher telling me at one point I was up a creek without a paddle. Um, probably not because I wasn't capable of learning the language, but just because I probably gave next to no effort in it at all. But with that aside, I just wanted to make that quick correction or amendment from last week's episode. Um, so today we're going to be covering Later, which is brand new in Stephen King's catalog. It was published on March 2nd, 2021. It's preceded by 2020's If It Bleeds, which is a collection of short stories. I've actually only gotten around to reading one of those so far. Um, I enjoyed it. It was it, the, the, the short stories, there's I believe only four of them in the collection, which usually there's quite a, quite a few of them, ranging from pretty lengthy to some being maybe even 10 to 20 pages long. Um, if it bleeds, the, the short stories are a little bit longer. Um, and the actual title story, If It Bleeds, is the, at least now, the final um, connection to the Bill Hodges trilogy. Um, it also is connected to The Outsider through the detective Ralph, uh, I forget Ralph's last name, and Holly Gibney, who is a part of the Hodges trilogy, as well as the Outsider novel. Um, I have not finished it yet, but I, I plan on getting around to them. Sometimes with the short stories with King, I'll read one or two or get into a few of them, and then I'll set the book down and kind of revisit it over time. I don't never actually sat down and read an entire collection of short stories um, cover to cover, like within, you know, that would like without going to another book or anything like that. So, um, this will be preceded by a book that comes out on August 3rd, 2021, and that was will be called Billy Summer. So I'm excited to read that one, cover that. And this will be the final. We're going to kind of close the close the book on Stephen King for a while. Like I said last week, I don't want this to become a, a Stephen King podcast as much as, as, as great as that sounds to me. I'd like a little bit of variety, so I will be moving on from King next week. But beforehand, I thought it'd be pretty cool to cover um, his brand new novel because it kind of fits right into this timeline that we're working with here. Now, just as a reference to this pod, just in general... I am just doing these podcasts based on what I'm reading. I'm not really letting the podcast guide what I'm choosing to read. So, you know, if I decided I wanted to keep reading some King, that's just what I would do. But I decided that I, I would like to switch it up just on a personal level and read something new. So I will announce what I will be reading, um, what I will be covering next week at the very end of the pod today. So later with this book, since it's brand new, um, I'm not going to cover a lot of the plot because I, I, it's really pretty short. It's about 
250 pages. It was about a day, day and a half read for me. Uh, just two two nights after work, I read it this week. Um, it's it's really really good. I really enjoyed it. It's just a quick story, and it's it's a little bit different as far as. Um, the writing style is significantly different than what King usually goes for um, in the sense of King usually writes in the third person and uh, sometimes he addresses you as the reader. Not often. It happens a little bit in the Dark Tower. Um, but for the most part, most of his books are written in the third person. And you very much feel like he's telling you the story, which is a huge aspect of why I love his writing so much is because when I read his books, like I feel like this guy is sitting next to me just telling me a story, which is, I think, what captivated me by him from the very beginning and made him made it kind of become one of my, why I really like reading, which I'm going to get into that a little bit later because I kind of want to end with a, with just overall my feelings on Stephen King and his writings and his writing and what it's kind of done for me, especially because I don't want to cover a lot of the plot in this book because I really am going to encourage you to read this story, even if you're not a King fan, because it is accessible. It's not very long. It's much different than his typical writing style. And I really think it's something, um, that many of us can enjoy, even if you're not really into um, the sci-fi kind of horror elements, which this story does have both of those involved, and it has to do many of his stories, but I would not, um, even though in the book they say it's a horror story, even the character directly says that, I still wouldn't necessarily consider it a horror story, but I can understand why um, why one would consider it that. So speaking on the writing of this story, it's written in a very interesting sense. Like I said, usually King stories are written in the third person. Um, in a way, though, where you very much feel, like I had said earlier, that he is talking to you, he is telling you the story. But this book is actually written in the first person. So the main character, Jamie Conklin, who is a uh, a boy in the story, but you can tell he's probably in his 20s when he's actually telling you the story, is telling you the story in the first person, which is very unique to King's uh, to King because, or very unique to this story for King because, like I had said, I and I like I've said in the past podcasts, I've read a ton of his books at this point, and uh, I don't believe I've ever that have read one that is written in this point of view, which was pretty cool, and I found it very. Very entertaining and a very nice change of pace from what I'm typically used to with him. Um, even though, personally, I never really get sick of his writing, it was fun to see him do something that I, I've never seen him do. So this is actually a part of a series of books called Hard Case Crime. And these books have been coming out, I believe, since the early 2000s. There's quite a few of them. Um, King has written three of them. I looked at the list of all of the other authors, and the only one I was familiar with was Ray Bradbury. And I've actually never read any Ray Bradbury books, so I'm thinking about maybe picking that one up and possibly picking up some of his other ones. Um, I would love some suggestions on if you have any of your favorites absolutely i'm always open to suggestions for books so the ones that king has written in 2005 he wrote his first hard case crime book which is called the colorado kid and i actually have that one that one's rather short too that one's actually even shorter than later and the second one is called joyland which came out in 2013 which is still not very long but it's longer than the colorado kid at least on my nook where i bought my uh, copy of the colorado kid it's only like 115 pages or something like that. Um, now, 
later is I, I wasn't sure based on the hard case crime when I had I, I, I don't like to read into books in the same way I don't really like to watch too many trailers for movies um, I didn't read into it really at all I was just I, I was just looking to see if he was having um, if he was going to be putting out any books this year and he just so had it was like two weeks before this book came out so I marked it in my calendar and uh, made sure to go grab it but I, I had seen the hard case crime and I thought to myself you know, even based on the cover, it didn't really look like it was going to have like any sci-fi element at all. But it does. It certainly is very much in vain of of what you would expect out of um, some of those elements from Stephen King. I will get into that. It is pretty blatantly obvious, especially even if you read just uh, the back cover that um, Jamie Conklin, the main character, is born with the ability to see dead people after they die, naturally. But it's only right after they die. And it's not in... Um, the same sense of like the sixth sense, which he even references in the book, like the character references it in the book, because like I said, he's telling the story and, um, it's more like they, they're just around for a period of time after they die and then they slowly fade away. And this ends up playing a role within a, um, a detective aspect of the story and the character kind of getting used for his abilities, even as a kid. Um, and you'll see this play out. If you're a fan of that kind of horror sci-fi, you'll probably enjoy this story and, and see where it goes, especially um, through this boy's perspective as well. But also, if you are a big fan of the story It, I you need to read this story because it's got connections to that story that I really, really didn't expect. And they actually even mentioned it on the back cover, which I didn't read beforehand. And then I, just now before I started um, recording, I realized that they even mentioned it. I'm glad I didn't because I would have just been focusing on that the whole time. But um, I love it. It's a great story. Um, no pun intended there. Um, he, uh, it's one of the better character development stories that, that King has, at least in my opinion. Um, but huge connection to it. Very unexpected. And it kind of brings it into the Stephen King universe, um, you know, which is centralized by the Dark Tower and everything like that. And I found it interesting in a couple of ways because, and I may be misremembering this um, from the from within later, but at a certain point in later, he references the Shawshank Redemption. And he references it not as Shawshank Prison, I believe, because if he referenced it as Shawshank Prison, I would believe this was just a part of the, the King universe in the sense of like Castle Rock exists, Derry exists, all of these fictional towns that King has made up over the years exist, um, and so does this story exist within that universe. But this story takes place in New York City. Um, and the, he references Shawshank Redemption as a movie. And I, I believe it is as the movie because the actual story of Shawshank is called Rita, Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption. So I believe he's referring to it as, um, as the movie. But then he brings in this connection to it, which if you've read it and you read the story, you'll see it right away. I just found it interesting and... and um, just curious where this lays as far as all of that goes. Um, I lost it when the when the it connection came. I was super super excited, and it was uh, it it. I wasn't bored at all with the book. I was uh, I was really captivated by it the entire time, and that just like sent me. I I don't think I put the book down after that um, that connection was made. 
So within the story, um, the boy can see people after they die, and uh, it's pretty interesting. He can have conversations with them until they slowly start to fade away, um, which is kind of cool. It's kind of like bringing in like almost like a second death aspect, like where like they they fade away into death from their real life, and then they fade away slowly into um, into the afterlife so to speak so with uh along with jamie jamie is the main character he is uh he is a boy he he ages from like 6 to 14 through the story that he's telling he might even be around 15 and then i i got the sense i believe they even say it that he's like 22 or 23 when he's actually telling you the story um in that first person his mother uh tia conklin also plays a huge role in the story um She's a literary agent, so she owns her own literary literary agency, um, and she's got like a like a big big time author under her agency, which is pretty cool. And uh, another reference, I'm not going to get into how this plays a big role in the story or anything like that. But if you are a fan of or hold a grudge with uh, George R. R. Martin and the incomplete A Song of Ice and Fire story, you will find some aspects of this book very, very humorous and very ironic. And on a personal level, I feel like King is kind of digging in, kind of poking a little bit of fun um, with how incomplete, how that story is incomplete right now. Even if you are uh, aware or have read the Dark Tower series, you'll know that King was even concerned that he wouldn't finish that series because um, he wrote that over a really long period of time. The first book, The Gunslinger, came out in the late 70s, and um, the final book, which is just titled The Dark Tower, it's book seven, didn't come out until 2004. So huge gap of time. And um, you could only imagine that if you're, this is like considered your magnum opus and you are, uh, you know, anything could happen to any of us at any time, unfortunately. And if if you feel like your, li and if your life's work was left unwritten, that would be pretty dissatisfying to uh, your whole fan base. And also, Probably, even though you're, you know, you've passed at that point, probably wouldn't be ideal way to uh, put a cap on your life. Along with that, Liz Denton is another um, is the uh, is pretty much like the third big character in the story. Liz is Jamie's mom's girlfriend throughout the story. She's also kind of a crooked NYPD detective, and um, very very interesting aspects of the story come from her. So. There's a lot in this story that that are kind of squeezed into 250 pages. Um, it kind of like bang, bang, bang happens. There's not a lot of the character development that you get from a lot of King's books. Even um, Jamie as the main protagonist doesn't get a, a whole lot of huge background. A lot of it's just focused on uh, how his abilities have kind of played a big role in his life. And uh, some of the main theme, like the the big theme that I I, I kind of found in this story that I'd like to kind of have you guys think about as you, uh, even if you decide not to read the story or go and go ahead and do read it is, um, we've all lost people in our lives. And, uh, you know, there's always those things where you're, you wish you would have said them or you wish you would have asked. And within the story, when Jamie can talk to the people who have passed away, they can't lie. They have to, they have to answer any question he asks. That's like a caveat in this, this relationship. And I know we've all had that feeling before. What would you, if, if you could have had some last questions or some last words, 
um, with somebody you love that that passed away, what would those words have been? And I, you know, this is not something anybody needs to share, but just an interesting thing that I want you to go take away with and and think about. What would those words have been? What would that question have been? And why would you wanted to? Why would you want to ask that? What is the relevance of it? And and I'm curious if some of this will help you because as I was thinking about this and having lost. Um, someone really close to me when I was younger, one of my best friends, I do have those questions. And I, I, uh, I do, I, I would have, I would, I would love to have asked them. And it's a, it's a very curious thing to think about. And I know that sometimes with these things that are hard for us to face, we, we, it's almost easier just not to think about them and, and say, well, why would I even think about asking that question? Because, um, it's just going to make me feel bad, but I, I, I find it, it helps me a lot to think about it and not pretend like, uh, like it just didn't happen at all. So I want you guys to take that away. If you can, if that can help you at all in any way, um, I think that it would be, it's a, it's a beneficial little, uh, little practice that we could do. What would you want to ask those people that were so dear to you? So with this, I'm just going to go ahead and encourage you to read this book. Um, like I said, I'm going to close the, close the book on Stephen King for a little while. I will be back to him. Oh, you better believe I'll be back to him. Um, but for now, I'm going to move on. I'm going to find some even outside of my typical sci-fi fantasy, which is all I've covered so far because I've covered only Stephen King. But I will be moving on from that. And uh, I would love any book suggestions um, from anybody. I already have my next two planned. Um, but other than that, I just want to get into why Stephen King means so much to me and uh, it's really not just the bizarre incredibly demented stories that he can write but when I was a kid I was a very reluctant reader I was I struggled with it it didn't come easy to me not a lot came very easy to me in school and in reading it was one of them math was another one but reading was something that I was always kind of like sometimes I'd find a book picture books were fun you know dr seuss i always enjoyed when i was a kid when i was very young um where the wild things are but then like from my childhood the only books i really remember reading um that like i actively read and like couldn't put down was um holes by lewis sackar that was a i love that book um I read it like I was young enough to have read it like right before the movie had came out so I really enjoyed that story and that was one of the first times I ever really felt captivated by a book and then uh, in sixth grade I, I remember reading uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets because my dad had read aloud to me over like a camping trip um, one summer he had read The Sorcerer's Stone so I read Chamber of Secrets and I, I love that book and uh, it's still one of my favorites from the Harry Potter series and it very probably one of the most horror out of horror um, one of the one of the Harry Potter books that has the biggest horror elements is from Chamber of Secrets and I remember reading it as a kid and and uh, and now at looking back at like not being a very strong reader I'm actually surprised with uh, how much I remember from even that first book experience of reading that book didn't continue the harry potter series now i think i've read it four times all the way through but that's kind of what i want to get to right now i i just didn't read um very much comic books i read i'm not going to count those because those are a little bit different style but 
I didn't read chapter books. I didn't read novels because it wasn't something that um, it was. It was hard, and you know, it's natural as a human to not want to do things that are hard. Um, I remember reading *Fear and Loathing* in Las Vegas in high school and things like that. That was a little bit easier to follow, especially having seen the movie prior to reading the book. Um, which I would say most people in my age range, even if they tell you they read the book first, I highly doubt it. Um, but in high school, my best friend Brian, he loves Stephen King, loves Stephen King to this day. He is like him and I, as far as reading goes, where we see eye to eye on most of it. And um, he was taught, we were one day sitting around his house, I think we were like juniors in high school, and he was talking about Stephen King. and. At the time, King had only written one, like, actual series of books, like, you know, multiple books go together, and it was The Dark Tower. And, uh, you know, Brian didn't expect that I'd go read the books, because to tell you the truth, I didn't expect I was going to go read the books. So, Brian just kind of, like, casually told me how the story had ended. And I don't even think he had read it at the time. I think that he had just looked it up on the internet out of curiosity. And he had told me how it had ended. And I was so... I'm not going to reveal this to you, because I highly recommend those books. Literally, more than anything I could re recommend, I'd recommend those books. I was so fascinated by how this story apparently ended that uh, that day I drove um, from Brian's house I drove like 45 minutes to the closest Barnes and Noble and bought a copy of the gunslinger and uh, and and that was my that was my adventures into Stephen King it started there and I will tell you uh, ladies and gentlemen that it has not ended yet and I am still just as intrigued today as I was that day and when I was a junior in high school he, his writing taught me how to read. And it, it, it didn't teach me how to read words. It taught me how to understand a story. And it taught me comprehension skills that I, that I didn't know that I could use. And uh, I really just have to thank him for that because I'm able to comprehend and read all of these stories that I pick up now from Ernest Hemingway to Philip K. Dick to J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series to... Um, reading reading and rereading the lord of the rings series and the hobbit all of this i really owe to him um because it helped me and i don't know if it's so much as it just like showed me the way and through fascination and i and of course you know a lot of it was me too i can't give all the credit to stephen king but he it, it was very encouraging and it's really a beautiful thing for me in my life that he he's kind of always meant this much to me um and like I said, I'll, I will be back to him and I'll be, I can't wait, you know, but I, I really, to keep things interesting, both for me and for the pod, I want to switch it up a little bit. So with this story later, again, couldn't recommend it more. It's fantastic. I enjoyed it. I, I, like I've said in the past, I'm biased, but I really think that this one is unique and interesting and a fun read. You know, it's not this big in-depth thing. You know, don't go into it expecting the stand. Don't go into it expecting it. But go into it expecting a good time, an interesting story, and some uh, some cool aspects that you're not necessarily going to um, expect. I was surprised. I, I can sometimes, even with King, see it coming. And I, I was surprised in certain aspects of this story. Now, I picked this up at Barnes & Noble because Amazon told me I wasn't going to get it until March 9th, and I needed it on March 2nd, the day it was published. So I actually went to Barnes & Noble. It was $14.95 at Barnes & Noble. Um, 
I think it's only like nine bucks or ten bucks on Amazon. Um, it probably will ship a lot quicker now that the book's actually out as well. So please go pick it up. Um, also, I haven't I haven't pitched this yet, but please follow me on Instagram at Beyond the Bindings. Um, I will be posting the week before pods come out to let you know what I will be reading the next week if it's something you want to. Um, keep track with and or keep up with and and read along or read beforehand or maybe even read afterwards. I can also mention like length and everything like that if uh if I feel like it's a little bit longer of a book it may take some people a little bit longer. I might post um oh maybe even 2 weeks beforehand if it's some if it seems like people are wanting to read along. Now next week I'm going to be covering something completely different, which will be Ernest Hemingway's For Whom the Bell Tolls, which is, uh, which is exciting because I really enjoy Hemingway's writing. Um, I've read, over the last couple of weeks, I read The Old Man in the Sea and A Farewell to Arms, both of which I really enjoyed. And honestly, A Farewell to Arms is, is one of the best his, um, historical fiction novels I've ever read. Absolutely fantastic. So, for Whom the Bell Tolls will be next week. Uh, that is by Ernest Hemingway. If you feel like finding that, reading it, and uh, checking me out to see where we go with that. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I am Max Lopez, and this is Beyond the Bias.